Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Wet Paint NYC podcast. I'm Paul Cepeda and I'm here with Paul Chiapetta, entrepreneur and software designer. Hi, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Paul. We got the uh, Paul and Paul show here today. Uh, really pleased to be here. That's right. That's right. Paul and Paul in the Brooklyn studio. Gotta love that. And, you know, this, um, aside from that difference, this is going to be a little bit different podcast because, uh, you know, we d- I, I always have creative folks here in the studio, people that are doing something that I find interesting and somehow beneficial to the world. But but the story of how we met and basically how we ended up back here in the studio today is a pretty crazy one. Um, so I'm looking forward to having you share a lot of that with us because... Um, it all started back in Magnesis, which uh, some of the folks who have listened to the podcast before uh, might know about my connection to Magnesis as a resident artist and how that turned into all sorts of crazy shenanigans um, that eventually led to the Fire Festival, um, the notorious Fire Festival. Uh, but, but, you know, it wasn't all bad. There were some really cool connections made, some networking was done, and that was sort of the whole idea behind the thing was, you know, to meet cool people that are doing cool things in Manhattan. And uh, this is the case of two Pauls that were able to do just that and, and to build some things from that. So this is going to be a cool one. Uh, so I guess just, let's just start at the beginning. You're Paul, and where are you from originally? And how did you get to uh, New York City? So I was born and raised on Long Island, so grew out uh, South Shore, about 60 miles out. Um, So kind of always saw New York as like the shining city on the hill in the distance, something I always aspired to be able to go and work in and and do cool things, you know, live the whole hustle and grind lifestyle. Went to college in upstate New York, so kind of always stayed relatively local. Was fortunate to have a couple jobs in uh, Texas, out in Austin for a little while, and near near Boston as well, in Lowell, Massachusetts, but ultimately knew that wanted to set up shop here. And um, as Paul said, I am in software, so started my career as a software developer, software engineer, writing code and, and building programs for a financial firm is where I got my start. But it was during that time when I first moved to the city that I was exploring and trying to find cool places to meet people. And that's when I stumbled on Magnesis, where I met Paul through a coincidence that really started with just the fact that our names sound the same. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, I mean, that's, that's where it all began, right? Uh, I, I definitely want you to give more of the details of this because... You know, I, I think it's I think it's going to be really interesting to get your perspective of this because I've told so many of these Magnesis stories myself, but this is the first time that I've had somebody actually on the podcast in the studio who was who was there as well. And once again, I mean, this was the idea behind Magnesis was was I, you know the idea that they wanted was to be highly selective with you know creative folks or people who are doing big things in business and finance and the world of tech. And, uh, you know, and create this exclusive sort of black card uh, clubhouse experience. And, and, you know, and like I said, it was fun at times. And we had a lot of parties, you know, all, all kinds of, uh, 
you know, big name musicians and celebrities coming out and hanging out and performing for us and uh, partying with us and all that kind of stuff. But I think it was at one of these events that, that that's where we met. I think we just happened to be standing next to each other. And, and how did that how did that happen? Somebody said my name and, 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 and that sort of uh, piqued your interest. Is that how that went? <laughs> that's right. I was like, Paul Zapetta, like, where, did they just mispronounce my name? <laughs> so, but yeah, so again, I joined Magnesis um, at its onset really just looking for ways to meet a lot of cool people and it was billy mcfarland was the master marketer you know ultimately we know for mischievous ends Uh, but it's funny because i kind of tell the story now of how i got to where i am as do you see that documentary on fire festival (laughs) and people always look at me funny like how is that going to take us to where to where we are but the truth is i really have I really have Paul to thank, and um, that's because all all these events we were going to, it was really, really too good to be true. And we now know that it was because Billy was embezzling, <laughs> embezzling all this money. But really, like most businesses, it is it's a common uh, tactic when starting out to acquire customers at a loss for the sake of growth. So what that looked like in Magnesis is they threw the coolest parties for us. Too good to be true, that we now know. We, um, I got ringside tickets to the Islanders game twice for free. Um, I went to a rooftop fashion show. I was 21 years old at the time. Like I should not have been doing any of this. <laughs> it, was, it was all like these parties at these rooftop apartments in these penthouses, like just all too good to be true. But it wasn't all just like party, party, party. There was one event where they uh, were signifying a partnership with a co-working space, Alley. And admittedly, I went, you know, because there was free alcohol and hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> but, but, you know, wanted to kind of see what was up. And at this event, they had three speakers, uh, founders who were speaking uh, who were working at the co-working space, and they just asked to, you know, to signify the event uh, and the partnership with Magnesis to talk about their businesses. So the first two two guys spoke, and they, had, you know, did a very nice job. And it was after the second guy that somebody called out Paul's name, and that's when I and he was standing right next to me, and that's when I was like, Paul Zapetta, <laughs> you know, I uh, my name is Paul Chipetta or Paul Chiapetta. So now. Um, we should be friends. There you go. So we, uh, you know, you and I had like a really nice conversation, and then um, the last guy who spoke, his name was Nate, and at the time his business called Gigzolo was like an Airbnb for bands and DJs. So looking for who was the best bands in New York, who was the best DJ in Walla Walla, Washington, and the name of the game at the time was curation, like. Who, if you were to get a DJ or a band on Gigzolo's network, like you, we had to confirm that they were going to be good. And what Nate talked about at the time was expanding into other mediums. So if you remember, you wanted to go over to him and say, "Hey, like, do you have you ever thought about expanding into the art world? Do you maybe need a curator right. in the art space?" And you know, you guys went over and had a, a very nice conversation. Um, but afterwards I started talking to him and, you know, gave him my business card and just one of those, um, 
you know, luck of luck of the draw type things. Uh, he needed an engineer at the time. And I had just started my first job, you know, uh, working for the software, uh, financial software company. It was going well. I was not in a position to, you know, quit and join something new. But he's like, hey, if you want to hustle and do this as like your side gig, which truth be told, quickly became the <laughs> the real gig, you know, you know, after many nights and weekends. But yeah, I, I joined up and and I mean, we kept in contact for um, you know, several months, but then ultimately I kind of disappeared, um, effectively to work on Gigzola. Right. Down the rabbit hole of work. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I became the, uh, the CTO of Gigzolo and, um, we kind of transitioned the business into, um, like Nate was talking about working with many different mediums to the point where we pivoted to solving, not necessarily the who's best problem, but the what works problem. So I have a shoe store opening in downtown Chelsea being attended by 24 to 20 year old females. And I want to generate as much social media traffic as possible. How do I do that? So I built an algorithm to take all types of solutions, bands, DJs, photo booths, where it would, you would plug in those parameters and out would come for that event, you should get a, I don't know, a 360 photo booth. So the girls, they come in, they get 360 degree photos, instantly uploaded to Instagram with the hashtag. Or I have a trade show being attended by 35, 50 year old healthcare executives. Uh, how do I generate as much on-site sales? So that was the problems that we were that we were trying to solve. And so, so this, so you were solving these problems for people who were putting on events, um, and you know, especially here in New York, but in every in every brand and and in every major um, you know industry, these are these, a lot a lot of money goes into these things. So you know you don't, you uh, they don't want to just flush down the drain. So what you built allows them to have some frame of reference and some idea based on the algorithm of okay, if this is what we're working with, this will be some of the best options for that. And that's that's a cool thing. I'm, I mean, I know um, a lot of people who who do the marketing and event who are in that space in that space and uh, I could see how that would be very you know beneficial to them you know save them a lot of time and sort of like headaches and effort and a lot of that take a lot of that guesswork out of it um, so that's that's really cool and it's it's interesting to to hear how that pivoted because I do remember those those early conversations um, and sort of I guess uh, the earlier stages of Gigzolo that and it's funny to hear that uh, the grand downfall of Billy McFarlane. It was in a similar sort of space where you know he was. They were they were sort of like booking, or the idea was that they were supposed to be able to book or allow you to book. You know the top names in the in the industry yeah, of music and partying and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is it ironic, or maybe there were some share? <laughs> there was some shared. Because uh, the funny thing is, I have some other stories that maybe I'll go into later that. Uh, that there are a lot of uh, coincidental, quote unquote, crossovers where things just seem to happen in the same spaces generally. But hey, you know, great minds think alike. And, uh, you know, and standing on the shoulders of giants, you could see, you know, even further than the giants. So, so what's really funny is that we met initially over you hearing my, somebody say my name at a Magnesis event. And you told that story, but then again, recently we reconnected 
because I was at a I was working at an art battle event That's that right. you happened to come to, and over you overheard my somebody say my name and and it was like what again this guy again and here we are as you know as you went down that rabbit hole into work and fire festival fire festival sort of spun out um you know you really went down the rabbit hole and sort of essentially cut yourself off from like living the life of like going out to events anymore and doing that kind of thing um for a good while from what you're telling me from like for like two or three years and i think that that's a very important story for you to tell just to show that just pretending or just saying that you're that you're working on something isn't good enough you really have to put in the work and you know, eventually, hopefully, but usually, eventually, if you really stick to it, there's going to be a big payoff. So why don't you tell us about the story of how you really gave it your all and, and sacrificed a lot um, for for what ended up being, you know, a really great thing. Yeah. So, again, Magnesis was this awesome source of I met. Um, my business partner, I met a guy I lived with for two years as a roommate. I made all, made all these friends went to all these cool events. Um, and it's kind of funny that I didn't go to fire festival because everything else like was, was working. I think there was one event where I was supposed to meet JLo and that never happened, but I it kind of went over my head at the time. I look back now though, and it's like, Oh, that's kind of the beginning of the end. Yeah. But it's really just because I guess I was busy that I didn't go because that otherwise everything was, oh, was so working you, so out. You could have been a fire festival refugee, but a refugee. <laughs> yeah. And that's really what it came down to. It ultimately, um, started, uh, you know, late nights you know i would go to work nine to five then go to work five to you know midnight go to bed do it again there was a point in time where i pulled one all-nighter a week for you know weeks and uh, i won't even you know talk about like how long i worked straight at (laughs) at some points um just to just to get the work done because you know, unfortunately, I couldn't work on it in normal business hours. I mean, I did have, a, you know, a very good, you know, job that I was still like trying to put my my all into just my regular day job. But then to have this whole thing at night that I was taking very seriously, you know, just just trying to make something of it. So, yes. Yeah, so Magnesis had to kind of fall to the wayside. And um, it was about a two or three year sprint of just, you know, just grinding. Um, there was one year where I... I slept in the office about 70 times in a year period. So just doing everything. Wow. Not uh, hopefully the you know, hopefully the the person who uh, who has that office space doesn't doesn't really hear that. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, harm yeah, no harm done. But yeah, so just doing everything that I had to do, and very happy to report after all this time um, that Gigzola was acquired, and uh, it all paid off. Um, you know, all that hard work, you know, because a lot, most startups fail, you know, not to say that I wouldn't have learned so much along the way, but it's nice to kind of have that, that cherry on top. Yeah. And, um, you know, now that I went down to one job, you know, I quit, I quit my day job and now just work for the acquiring company. I, I, I got my life back. I can do things after work as, as crazy as that sounds or, and on weekends. And that's when I had heard about, the art battle 
and was like, well, this sounds like a cool idea. So I'll, I can paint the scene from my perspective as to what art battle was because it was so cool to me. So to set the scene, it was at Le Poisson Rouge, so a club in Manhattan. DJ, like loud party music, you know, not like classical music, you know, like all like prim and proper, like, you know, hip hop, rap, party music, full service bar, a hype man, like just like going after it and a raised stage in the center with five canvases set up. And it was there that five artists live painted. They had about 20 minutes, I believe to paint whatever they wanted in this club-like environment, which is not a normal painting environment. I mean, it'd be pretty cool if you told me that some of these paintings on the wall here were, you know, were you just jamming out. <laughs> well, it's, I, I, do, I do turn the studio into sort of a club environment, but that's, you know, this is my own personal private space, so I'm comfortable doing that. Uh, but as you were, you, you do have a very good point in that, you know, these, People are put up in front. Uh, you know, it's set up essentially kind of like a boxing ring in the center of the state, yeah. and then and then the audience is is swirling around, constantly judging. You know, the eyes are on you the entire time, um, and yeah, you have to go from start to finish in twenty minutes, um, and people are voting on you, and you know, voting on your work and that kind of thing, and then uh, so it so I'm sure there is a little bit of stress on the artist for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I had a really good time, and then so the structure was there were two rounds, and then finals, and there was live voting, and then ultimately live bidding. So I remember vote like really liking this one picture, and so did apparently the rest of the audience because it was the the most popular painting of the night um, by this artist named Elena. Bidding war ensued. A bidding bidding war ensued. Um, I did ultimately win the painting, uh, it, and again, it was the most, you know, popular one of the night. <laughs> um, so um, she unfortunately did not win in the finals. I think she did an excellent job, but I was talking to her after, and um, from my perspective, it was really cool because, like, you know, we were taking pictures outside, and she was, you know, she was telling me her story. She moved from you know, Russia a few years ago, and, you know, she was just really nice, and I got a really cool piece of art. But then, you know, kind of wrap everything together, I went to go pay, and there was, like, a minor mishap with, like, the, like, collecting the payments. I was like, oh, like, the woman I was talking to was like, oh, can I, I just have to speak to my boss. And then, lo and behold, <laughs> Paul was her boss, and I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> after all this time, and it was really so what cool. Were they, like, two years? I mean... God, at least at least two, because I mean, you had heard like I had told you when we were last like last few times we hung out that like I was starting to work with Nate, but certainly not to the capacity that right, it, that right. it became. And um, you know, because I remember going to like one of your shows like over on um, like in Hell's Kitchen in in one of the 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 centers on on the water. I forget exactly which one. I have a picture of it. <laughs> but um, so that that was cool, but. But yeah, and I was like, oh my God, we need to reconnect. And that's why we got drinks the other day. <laughs> yes, yes. And, so, and so it all came full circle over, you know, a couple of folks dropping the name Paul. <laughs> yeah. It all came full circle. Yeah, and so that's, uh, you know, that's actually 
I gotta say, I, I know that it happens a lot here in New York, but but you know the story of you grinding and you know and and, and look, people, we're talking to somebody who was 20, 21 years old at the time, and for them to give up all those evenings of going out and doing the sort of youthful, you know, staying out way too late, partying, staying up to, you know, all night doing that thing. And then, you know, sort of creeping into work and barely making it to work. You know, that's the standard story. Uh, but this is one of those uh, more rare and I think inspirational stories of somebody who even at a young, young age was able to recognize the value um, in sacrificing short term in order to, uh, to to build something for the long term. And, you know, as Paul spoke about, it wasn't just, you know, even if they hadn't been acquired, even if what, what he had been building hadn't been, uh, you know, bought up and taken up by a larger company, you know, he still had in his mind this idea of learning, you know, constantly learning, um, doing that work, even if it meant only that he got exposure to things that he wouldn't have got exposure to otherwise, or at least not um, at that time and at that age. So, uh, you know, kudos to you, Paul, for for doing that. Um, it's great to see you on the other side of all of those sleepless nights and, uh, you know, sleeping in the office and everything else. I mean, that's the, these are the stories that legends are uh, built on. Yeah, well, thank you. As as somebody important to me has said, um, life is long. So I have plenty of years ahead of me to party and do maybe the slightly irresponsible things you, <laughs> you were referring to. So my whole thing was to really try and set myself up early on a different trajectory because once you're just on that path, you're just, you know, things fall into place. So for anybody listening, my, my, you know, shtick would be just to work hard in the beginning and, you know, see, see those rewards later because you have plenty of time, plenty of time to reap the rewards. You know, it's definitely important to enjoy things along the way. Don't get too lost in the work because that's something I'm actually battling with right now. I started this new job and want to give it 100% my all and also you know enjoy life enjoy the the fruits of fruits of my labor but i always got ideas i always got like little things here and there so i'm trying to tell myself don't sign up for another gigzolo <laughs> you know you can do the, the the little things here and there um that's just kind of my personality always to try and tackle new things but definitely i wouldn't say i you know you have to go you know, a million hours a week every every single you know um, month, month, year, year. Um, definitely stop and, and enjoy it. But it's part of that element of New York, just like that that hustle atmosphere, like that going all the way back to growing up on Long Island that I really aspired to join and and thrive in. And here you are. You've been doing it and like literally living the dream because. Sure, there's more for you to accomplish, and I'm sure you have many more goals. And, you know, and as you were mentioning, your entrepreneurial and creative spirit, you know, you constantly have these ideas that you want to do and you're and, uh, you know, these things that you know that you can make the world a better place, you know, in this way or another way. Um, 
but it is about balancing your time and managing your time and um, maybe not over committing because sure you have a million ideas but maybe you work on three or four at yeah, one time and do that um, which is but it's great um, I, I do look forward to hearing more about how you you do take that time to smell the roses while you're while you're doing this other stuff it'll be interesting to see how um, you know because as you grow like you can there are more interesting things that you're able to do because you've you've earned freedom in a lot of ways uh, at an earlier age than some folks so you know there's there's also that age-old question of like how do you know when you made it I think the folks that are really making it don't feel like they've ever made it. That's the whole point is you reach one, you, you reach one milestone or point in, in your life and you can either plateau there and, you know, stay and eventually, you know, plateau drops off at the other end, or you just keep growing and building um, off of the, the base that you've created, which is exactly what you were talking about. You know, you, you made a lot of smart decisions in the beginning. Um, one of them was, Believe it or not, joining Magnesis for the mag for for the networking, you know, hey, it didn't work out great for everybody, but for you, you know, you you joined at the right time and did the right thing. Very quickly, exit I, strategy is also key. I often uh, equate it to a Ponzi scheme, <laughs> a little bit, you know, bit of dark humor, but you know, kind of like um, uh, Bernie Madoff, you know, who. Unfortunately, a lot of people lost a lot of money with him. But if you invested in him early and got out early, which a very small percentage of people did, but there were people who did, they made amazing returns. Because again, it was too good to be true. It was a Ponzi scheme. So I kind of feel like that was the case with Magnesis. I got to go to all these too good to be true events for free, you know, rooftops and parties and all and all this stuff like the stuff they showed in the documentary like they were doing that for their yeah. magnesis members and i got out before you know i went to meet you know such and such or went to go to fire festival and and you know got screwed on that island you know i got out and you i might not have ever seen you yeah you might still be which wouldn't be too bad might not be too bad might not be too bad um but yeah uh, met all the the friends that I have and business connections that I have, and it it kind of taught me how to network too because in today's day and age that's so important. You know, another thing I can I can talk about is um, everybody has heard the saying it's not about what you know but who you know, and I consider that a fantastic thing. You know, it's not the case of like oh. So and so only knows all these successful people because he grew up on the country club and like his dad was like an executive at this bank. Like that is the case so infrequently that most good networkers and people who are successful in business, they orchestrate or they manufacture their networks because it's easier today than ever before. I mean, you just go on LinkedIn and you email people or you go or you find the next Magnesis. So thank God it's all about who you know, um, because you can really make that happen. So I really try to just always just be out of my house, out of my apartment, and just finding cool things to do, which is just like a better way to live. Mm -hmm. But like you never know who you're going to meet. You're not going to meet anybody, you know, sitting at home. So I just That's try and right. always be out 
and and hanging out, you know, and, and doing things that I enjoy. And that's how I get to meet um, the Paul Zepetas of the world. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, and that's along those exact same lines. That's what I say about artists, you know, for artists like you can be making the most fantastic most beautiful and amazing artwork in the world in your studio. But if you don't get it out there to share with folks, nobody's ever going to know until at best after you're gone. So what I recommend is carving out that time, carve out plenty of time to do your work, to do the painting, to do the sculpting, the videography, whatever it is that you're doing. Then you need to also carve out the time for the marketing and the sales of that. Uh, exactly. You know, in every single industry, it's an, and it's an important thing. So you cover the time for that. But then also, and this is very key, and it's going to help everything else. It's going to help. Um, it's going to in, influence what you do and um, and bring opportunities uh, for sure is to get out there like like the other Paul was saying, get out there and, you know, make sure that you leave some time. And I, I'm certainly guilty of that. I know that sometimes I get caught up in my own head and that kind of thing in the work and in the studio and in everything that needs to be done. But uh, I'm always thrilled when I actually get my ass off the couch, out of the, out, you know, out from in front of the computer and out somewhere where I can meet new folks. And that's what it is. It's all about uh, connecting and meeting new folks. And especially in this town, you never know who you're going to meet and where you're going to meet them. So so you make a great point in that in every industry and really for everybody, it's healthier and smarter and it's good business to get out there and have a little fun You know, go schmooze, uh, you know, find find the uh, the. The fancy cocktail hour where your potential clients might be and go enjoy yourself for a little bit and you know and and just get your information out there it'll help your instagram profile if nothing else i mean i don't have one but you know <laughs> you'll get some good pictures you know doing all the fun stuff soon, soon enough well here's a question for you now that you um are this big time c you know cto slash you know the creator of something that was bought up by an even larger organization living that life in New York. What do you, what do you see as uh, sort of the next thing that you do for yourself personally for fun? Are you out there hunting like the romantic life? Are you looking for insane destination vacations? Like are you looking to, or is it really just a hundred percent focused on the next uh, big idea? Well, so I've been trying this new thing out lately. I don't know if anybody's heard of it. It's called moderation. <laughs> because I've had a hard time with that in the past. I would always go 100% into one thing and, and, every, and forget about everything else. But I'm really, I really am trying. I mean, I made a joke about it. But I really am trying to, you know, do a little bit of going out, you know, you know, going out with people Maybe this romantic thing, you know, right. or also just with friends. And then, of course, on my next business ideas. But I'm a really big runner. And like exercising, I ran um, in both high school and college, you know, on the track team. So I've been really good as of late, again, because I can get full nights of sleep now. So I can wake up in the morning. I go for a run before work every day. So trying to or hoping to run some uh, PRs or personal records 
uh, this year upcoming. So I'm kind of building that base right now to have a potentially successful 2020. That's kind of what I'm focused on now. Other than, again, just like having fun doing general things, you know, SantaCon's coming up, so planning that, you know, oh. just just a couple, you know, couple hey, fun, couple fun things here and there. Well, yeah, and I've all, I've been trying to twist your arm to come down to Miami for Art Basel to come see oh, me take God. over the uh, the White Lot Hotel down there. I'm taking it over for for Art Basel weekend, and I'll be filling it with art and live painting and all that kind of good stuff. So maybe we can get you down there. But uh, two things: one, ladies. If you're listening, (laughs) New York, eligible bachelor right here. Paul Chiapetta, look him up. You'll be glad you did. Second thing, uh, so I'm just now finding out about about your history as a runner. And I think that that actually informs me a little bit into some of of your process. And, you know, and and it really sort of underscores this idea of self-discipline. Because, uh, you know, a lot of the people listening to this are probably artists or other types, you know, some sort of creative. And sometimes we're not always the best at discipline. You know, we don't. That was our whole thing. We didn't take that that corporate job because we couldn't get up on time. We couldn't get the emails out fast enough. We couldn't do this, that or the other. Um, But I think that. There's a that there are some really great lessons to be learned from um, from all different types of disciplines, uh, from all different types of uh, uh, backgrounds and businesses and that kind of thing. And but one common theme, really through everything, is you got to put in the work and you need to do it in a timely fashion so that you can receive your rewards and benefits in a timely fashion. You know because the one's not going to happen before the other. So. Um, as, as somebody who's run for a good portion of their life, uh, I can only assume that you had to build in a lot of self-discipline. Like you said, you're doing it every day now and that kind of thing. And I'm sure when you were uh, doing it previously, it was, it was maybe multiple times a day and that kind of thing. And I, I just want to sort of underscore that idea of really having that self-discipline to whatever it is that you want to do like you gotta freaking do it you gotta do it and the more you do it the better you're gonna get at it and the more you do it the better results you're gonna see and so just keep that in mind um and you know maybe break a couple bad habits and get up a little bit earlier stay up just a little bit later just like paul chipetta so that you can be a winner <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, I've I fell in love with running. I would say early high school because I was able to see um, the direct reward for my work. Because um, I was never a big school guy, which I think might resonate with a lot of people. Never really liked school. I mean, I'm fortunate that I was fairly good at math, which is what took me to, you know, working with computers and computer science. So that that was something that always came naturally. But I never really liked the school environment. So um, ultimately, running was this thing where, you know, I actually started out back of the pack, have asthma, you know, was not like super athletic, you know, was kind of just average. And all these other guys on the team were you know, really accomplished. And, you know, I was coming in last. But after coming in last for a couple weeks, then, you know, but trying really hard, 
you know, all of a sudden I came in like second to last or like I got faster and I was like, wow, like I put in the work and I got better. And that's what I really, really liked. It's just in its purest form, like you try hard and you do well. Um, I don't listen to music while I run. Um, again, just kind of just like that focus, just focus on the breathing and really try and enjoy it. I know that's a little different. Some people say I'm psychotic <laughs> for doing that because most people will run with music, but I kind of just try and be, you know, one with what I'm doing. And um, right now, trying to just get good mileage in. I mean, it's definitely different when like nobody's telling me to run anymore. And the only way that I'm able to wake up every morning and do these runs is if I go to bed at the same time every day, which I've been fairly good at. Um, so, cause otherwise, no, I don't have a coach. I'm not great at coming to everything on time either. You know, it's, it's difficult for all of us. Um, so, but yeah, I just try my hardest to, you know, get out there and, and get some good miles in because I really enjoy, you know, setting new records. I, I, I like accomplishing, you know, new running feats and it's a really great community too. Like the running community in New York is amazing. Like you'll never meet a ni nicer group of people than people after a 5k because everybody's tired. Typically yeah. they donated, like, you know, there's typically a, tr a charitable cause. Yeah. So they paid money to charity, ran a race and they're tired and they're tired. Everybody's nice. Like literally everybody's going to have a smile on their face and like be friendly and they'll be like, Oh, I want to go to lunch with us. So it it's, it's really nice. Yeah, and, and as you're saying, in New York, we have we have the huge marathons. We have you know like global level things that are happening. So that's hey, hey that's a heck of a great community to 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 join into. Um, you know, you mentioned something about people perhaps thinking you were crazy for not running to music because a lot of people do run to music. My question, I would I would uh, be curious to know how many world-class runners run to music and my suspicion would be fewer than those who do just a suspicion because it is about focus it is about being one with what you're actually doing you know if you're just jogging and doing that sort of a thing that's one thing yeah throwing your earbuds listen to some music but when you are really excelling or attempting to excel at something um cutting out any distraction is that's key, I think, and and I think that you keep hitting on all these uh, universal points that are great for anybody in any field and anybody who really wants to accomplish anything in their life, whether it be small or big. Yeah, something maybe something else you can maybe draw parallels to is the reason why that started and why most professional athletes won't run to music is because on race day, you're not going to have music. So you whenever you're doing anything, right, whenever you're doing anything where there's some final event, whether it be a competition or, you know, a gallery opening, like you want to practice like, like the final show, like the final performance so that you're ready. If I've been running hundreds and hundreds of miles of music in, and then I have a one mile race, you know, on one day where I can't listen to music, I'm going to feel out of whack. So it's the same kind of thing. You know, you practice for a performance a thousand times. You want to practice like it's the real thing. Or, you know, you're going to, you know, I'm sure, you know, when you're going to Art Basel, you got a, a couple of um, people you plan on talking to and things you want to say. And, you, you know, the more rehearsed you are, the better you're going to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, practice makes perfect, as they say. And, and you know, and you want to practice in the, 
in close to the in as close to the real environment as possible. So, you know, it's it's always cool to hear these parallels with people who don't necessarily stand in front of an easel all day. I mean, I guess you could say your easel is the computer, you know, because, uh, you know, you're creating all kinds of fabulous things that I have no comprehension of whatsoever, uh, or at least to any degree that would be valuable to anybody who would need it. So, uh, so you know, it's, I, I find that stuff really cool that uh, that you can take sort of the, the this abstract and make it into something concrete and make it into something that's usable for folks, uh, you know, literally around the world. And 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 it's also nice to hear that all of your hard work has paid off and that not only did you create something, but you've been able to reap some of the rewards of that both, uh, you know, personally and I assume financially and, um, and, and it's sort of freed you up to, to, to do new things and to create new things and to share new things with the world. And really, you know, what, what more are we working for except for that? Right. I mean, so, uh, once again, kudos to you and, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing what you have coming in the future. Well, thanks. And hopefully there's even something, maybe we could collaborate on something in the future. Um, I say that because often people see the worlds of computers, uh, you know, math and, and science and the arts as two very different worlds. And, you know, as people were building businesses, like in the 90s, you had your very basic websites. And then in the early 2000s, you started to get like slightly more advanced. And now, you know, into the 20 teens and now coming to the 2020s, there's really no bounds on what people can build um, for businesses and on the computer. And really the next frontier is the more abstract, which is something that computers have historically had a hard time of understanding. So I really think that the next frontier and where there are a lot of opportunities is how you compare technology with the arts. So like, for example, like in either in fashion or, you know, in, um, you know, in galleries or, you know, wearables or, you know, if a retail store is having a hard time selling, how can we apply technology to help them sell or a lot of things like that that have previously been two completely dichotomous worlds can now work together and I think there are a lot of opportunities there. So that's where I'll be looking, you know, going into the next decade and, um, you know, hopefully it won't be two years where we just disappear and then discover each other again. But, you know, you know, hope, uh, hopefully there are some there's some cool collaborations in the future. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm, I'm sure there will be because now that we're back in touch, you know, we, we got to make some magic happen um, again, I would say again, because obviously, uh, as your story is told, there were some really cool things that happened uh, previously, but I'm totally with you on the whole um, crossover between, you know, in the world of art and tech. Uh, I am old enough to, to be able to say that, you know, I've literally seen the evolution of all of this happening. And in a lot of times as an early adopter, I've been on the forefront and uh, been right there sharing uh, my work in the earliest days, like, you know, on computers and in, in, in various ways. And, um, and, and so I've seen like a lot of the hiccups and the bumps and I, and, and in the early days I had all these ideas like, Oh, I wish I was able to do this or I wish I was able to do that. And because I, 
wasn't a coder and maybe even technology wasn't quite there at the time, but um, even if it was, I wouldn't have known how to use it. Uh, you know, a lot of times some of those ideas had to, had to wait, you know, some of them for years and years. Um, but what's really cool uh, with what you're talking about um, is that I have been able to already, even without your, your <laughs> genius help, I've been able to, just because of the way things have advanced, um, so like uh, I've been able to jump into some of these worlds. For instance, uh, if you go to my art gallery website that I founded a few years ago, wetpaintnyc.com, one of the options that we have, well, actually, I'm going to tell you about two of the options. One of the options that we have is uh, seeing the work, seeing any of the artworks that are available on the website to scale in a like a computer generated uh, model room. So like a, a living room or a sitting area or a conference room. But that's like sort of old school. You know, you can do that in Photoshop. But what we, but what we also have um, is augmented reality, which is pretty cool because that allows anybody to take their phone right wherever they are, whether it's in their office or in their home, and, you know, find that blank space on the wall that they want, their, that they could maybe use some art and see art to scale on their actual wall, the actual piece, and then literally just click buy and, you know, have it shipped to them, you know, within a few days. And so, um, and, and so I can totally see where, where um, you know, that's the future, you know, that's the future. And I'm glad that I can be, you know, on sort of the, in some minor way in that, in that, in that field, in that aspect of things. But um, I look forward to seeing the ideas that you may have and that you can come up with and maybe we can do some really crazy, crazy stuff because I'm all about fully immersive environments and, and all that. But, you know, we need people like you who know how to actually make that stuff happen because, once again, you can have all the ideas in the world, but until you either implement them yourself or find somebody. And that's another thing. We were talking about networking earlier. It's about finding a team. It's about finding the people who have the skills that you don't necessarily have um, and, and combining your skills together to make this, you know, sort of super ultimate, uh, ultimate sort of featured thing. And so I, I definitely look forward to that kind of thing with you in the future because I'm sure you'll come up with something cool. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And yeah, you know, looking forward to seeing, you know, I was really uh, impressed by seeing all the artwork on your walls and all the cool things that you have as work in progresses. So likewise, look to see, look forward, looking forward to seeing all the cool things that you'll be uh, developing as well. Fantastic. All right. Well, you know, like I said, ladies, you look, you look him up. Um, but feel free to, but feel free to keep, uh, you know, to keep an eye on both of us because, uh, we have plenty of projects, artworks, app development, coding to change your life, all sorts of good stuff coming your way. So stay tuned. Thanks again, Paul, for, uh, joining us and, and, and really, truly thanks for sharing your, uh, your story of somebody who was, who was young enough that it really is significant that uh, you chose the harder path, maybe the 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 you chose the path that uh, was probably less traveled. I, I, I you know I hesitated to say that that way because um, you know it, it might sound a little bit cliche in some ways, but it's not because you really did choose to make some sacrifices in order to set yourself up with a strong base. 
Um, and so, like I said, thanks for sharing that. I think it's going to be, um, you know, a real big uh, inspiration to a lot of folks. It was my pleasure, Paul. I really enjoyed doing this. Thank you.